If your happy ending is no more joint pain, please try Sierra Sil with a money-back guarantee. It's all-natural joint pain relief that's changed our lives. Sierra, like the mountains, and Sil, like silicon. Go to sierrasil.com. Use the code DRIFT for 10% off. Hello, I'm Erin, and welcome to DRIFT. I'm so glad you're here for part two of the Rudyard Kipling classic, The Jungle Book, edited just for you and DRIFT. Made possible by Envy Pillow. It's a Canadian-designed ergonomic pillow that cradles your face and aligns your spine and was created by Kathy and Kim, two registered nurses, with your health and the planet in mind. Learn more in the morning at Envy, E-N-V-Y, pillow.com. Before we get you all stretched out like a black panther in the searing midday heat, Let me refresh where we are in the story for you. Young Mowgli, raised by his wolf parents, a helpful bear, and a wise panther, is being eyed as lunch by some of the wolf pack and their vengeful leader, nasty tiger Shere Khan. But let's get you comfortable before we pick up our story, shall we? I want you to take in a deep, cleansing breath And as you exhale, a big, lazy stretch, like a panther on a branch at high noon, just relaxed and content, and queen or king of the jungle. I mean, since there are no lions here to argue with you. And if you're ready, comfortable in your bed, so much better than that big branch anyway. Let's drift. All that is told here happened some time before Mowgli was turned out of the Sayoni wolf pack or revenged himself on Shere Khan, the tiger. It was in the days when Baloo was teaching him the law of the jungle. The big, serious old brown bear was delighted to have so quick a pupil, for the young wolves will only learn as much of the law of the jungle as applies to their own pack and tribe, and run away as soon as they can repeat the hunting verse. But Mowgli, as a man-cub, had to learn a great deal more than this. Sometimes Bagheera, the black panther, would come lounging through the jungle to see how his pet was getting on, and would purr with his head against a tree, while Mowgli recited the day's lesson to Baloo. The boy could climb almost as well as he could swim, and swim almost as well as he could run. So Baloo, the teacher of the law, taught him the wood and water laws. Then he was taught the stranger's hunting call, which must be repeated aloud till it is answered. Whenever one of the jungle people hunts outside his own grounds, it means, translated, give me leave to hunt here because I am hungry. And the answer is, 
Hunt then for food, but not for pleasure. Mowgli had much to learn by heart, and he grew very tired of saying the same thing over a hundred times. But as Baloo said to Bagheera one day, when Mowgli had been cuffed and run off in a temper, he is a man's cub, and he must learn all the law of the jungle. But think how small he is, said the Black Panther, who would have spoiled Mowgli if he had had his own way. How can his little head carry all your long talk? Is there anything in the jungle too little to be killed? No, that is why I teach him these things, and that is why I hit him very softly when he forgets. I am now teaching him the master words of the jungle that shall protect him with the birds and the snake people and all that hunt on four feet except his own pack. He can now claim protection if he will only remember the words from all in the jungle. Is that not worth a little cuffing? Well, be careful not to kill the man-cub. But what are those master words? I'll call Mowgli, and he shall say them, if he will. Come, little brother. My head is ringing like a bee tree, said a sullen little voice over their heads. And Mowgli slid down a tree trunk, very angry and indignant, adding as he reached the ground, I come for Bagheera and not for you, fat old Baloo. His words stung the bear. Tell Bagheera then the master words of the jungle that I have taught you this day. Master words for which people, said Mowgli, delighted to show off. The jungle has many tongues. I know them all. See, O oh, Bagheera, they never thank their teacher. Not one small wolfling has ever come back to thank old Baloo for his teachings. Say the word for the hunting people then, great scholar. We be of one blood, you and I, said Mowgli, giving the words the bear accent which all the hunting people use. Good, now for the birds. Mowgli repeated, with the kites. Whistle at the end of the sentence. Now for the snake people, said Bagheera. The answer was a perfectly indescribable hiss, and Mowgli clapped his hands together to applaud himself. There, there, that was worth a little bruise, said the brown bear tenderly. No one then is to be feared. Baloo wound up patting his big furry stomach with pride. Except his own tribe, said Bagheera under his breath. Mowgli piped up, well, I shall have a tribe of my own and lead them through the branches all day long and throw branches and dirt at old Baloo. Mowgli went on, they have promised me this. Mowgli, said Baloo angrily, you have been with the monkey people, the gray apes, the people without a law, the eaters of everything. That is great shame. When Baloo hurt my head, said Mowgli, I went away, and the gray apes came down from the trees and had pity on me. No one else cared, he snuffled a little. 
And then they gave me pleasant things to eat, and they they carried me up in their arms to the tops of the trees and said I was their blood brother, except that I had no tail and should be their leader someday. They have no leader, said Bagheera. They lie. They have always lied. They were very kind and told me to come again. Why have I never been taken among the monkey people? They stand on their feet as I do. They do not hit me with their hard paws. I'll play with them again. Listen, man cub, said the bear, and his voice rumbled like thunder on a hot night. The monkey folk who live in the trees have no law. They have no speech or leaders of their own. They boast that they are a great people, but the falling of a nut turns their minds to laughter and all is forgotten. We of the jungle have no dealings with them. Have you ever heard me speak of the Bunderlog till today? No, said Mowgli in a whisper. They are very many, evil, dirty, shameless, and they desire to be noticed by we, the jungle people. But we do not notice them, even when they throw nuts and filth on our heads. He had hardly spoken when a shower of nuts and twigs spattered down through the branches, and they could hear the howlings and angry jumpings high up in the air among the thin branches. The monkey people are forbidden to the jungle people. Remember. Forbidden, said Bagheera, but I still think Baloo should have warned you against them. How was I to guess he would play with such dirt? The monkey people. Ugh. And the trio left. What Baloo had said about the monkeys was true. They belonged to the treetops, and as beasts very seldom look up, there was no occasion for the monkeys and the jungle people to cross each other's path. But whenever they found a sick or wounded animal, the monkeys would torment him and would throw sticks and nuts at any beast for fun, just in the hope of being noticed. Then they would howl and shriek and invite the jungle people to climb up and fight them or start furious battles over nothing among themselves and leave the dead monkeys where the jungle people could see them. They were always just going to have a leader, but they never did. None of the beasts could reach them. But on the other hand, none of the beasts would notice them. And that was why they were so pleased when Mowgli came to play with them. And they heard how angry Baloo was. One of them invented what seemed to him a brilliant idea. And he told all the others that Mowgli would be a useful person to keep in the tribe because he could weave and make little huts of fallen branches. The monkey people said this time they were really going to have a leader and become the wisest people in the jungle, and everyone else would notice and envy them. Therefore, they followed Baloo and Bagheera and Mowgli through the jungle very quietly till it was time for the midday nap. And Mowgli, who was very much ashamed of himself, slept between the panther and the bear, resolving to have no more to do 
with the monkey people. The next thing he remembered was feeling hands on his legs and arms. Hard, strong, little hands, and then a swash of branches in his face. And then he was staring down through the swaying boughs as Baloo woke the jungle with his deep cries, and Bagheera bounded up the trunk with every tooth bared. The Bunderlog howled with triumph and scuffled away to the upper branches where Bagheera dared not follow, shouting, he has noticed us. Bagheera has noticed us. All the jungle people admire us for our skill and our cunning. Then they began their flight, catching Mowgli under the arms and swinging off with him through the treetops, 20 feet at a bound, crashing and whooping and yelling. The whole tribe of Bunderlog swept along the tree roads with Mowgli their prisoner. For a time, he was afraid of being dropped. Then he grew angry, but knew better than to struggle. And then he began to think. The first thing was to send back word to Baloo and Bagheera, for at the pace the monkeys were going, he knew his friends would be left far behind. He stared upward and saw Far away in the blue, ran the kite, balancing and wheeling as he kept watch over the jungle, waiting for things to die. He whistled with surprise when he saw Mowgli being dragged up to a treetop and heard him give the kite call for, we be of one blood, you and I. Mark my trail, Mowgli shouted. Tell Baloo of the Sayoni pack and Bagheera of the Council Rock. In whose name, brother? Ran had never seen Mowgli before, though of course he had heard of him. Mowgli, the frog. Man-cub, they call me. Mark my trail. The huge bird nodded and rose up, watching with his telescope eyes the swaying of the treetops as Mowgli's escort whirled along. Meantime, Baloo and Bagheera were furious with rage and grief. Why didn't you warn him? Bagheera roared to poor Baloo. Oh, Mowgli, why did I not warn you against the monkey folk instead of breaking your head? At least he gave me all the words correctly a little time ago, said Bagheera. I have no fear for the man-cub. He is wise and well-taught, and above all, he has the eyes that make the jungle people afraid. But he is in the power of the evil Bunderlog, and because they live in trees, they have no fear of any of our people. Wait, said Baloo, the Bunderlog fear Ka, the rock snake. He can climb as well as they can. He steals the young monkeys in the night. Let us go to Ka. What will he do for us? He is not of our tribe, being footless and with most evil eyes, said Bagheera. He is old and very cunning. Above all, he's always hungry, said Baloo, 
hopefully. Promise him many goats. He sleeps for a full month after he is once eaten. He may be asleep now. Then, in that case, you and I together, old hunter, may make him see reason. And they went off to look for Ka, the rock python. They found him stretched out on a warm ledge in the afternoon sun, admiring his beautiful new coat, for he had been in retirement for the last ten days, changing his skin. And now he was very splendid, darting his big, blunt-nosed head along the ground and twisting the thirty feet of his body into fantastic knots and curves, and licking his lips as he thought of his dinner to come. He has not eaten, said Baloo with a grunt of relief, as soon as he saw the beautifully mottled brown and yellow jacket. Be careful, Bagheera. He's always a little blind after he has had to change his skin and very quick to strike. Now. Kaa was not a poisonous snake. In fact, he rather despised the poison snakes as cowards. But his strength lay in his hug. And when he had once lapped his huge coils round anybody, there was no more to be said. Good hunting, called Baloo. Oh, Baloo, what are you doing here? Good hunting, Bagheera. One of us, at least, needs food. Let me come with you, said Ka. And they told him of their pursuit of the man-cub and the monkeys. I came very near to falling on my last hunt, very near indeed. And the noise of my slipping, for my tail was not tight-wrapped around the tree, waked the bunderlog, and they called me most evil names. Bagheera said quietly, those pickers of palm leaves have stolen away our man-cub. <gasps> I had heard some news of a man-thing that was entered into a wolf pack, but I did not believe. But it is true, said Baloo, the best and wisest and boldest of man-cubs, <laughs> my own pupil. We, we love him, Ka. Our man-cub is in the hands of the Bunderlog now, and we all know that of all the jungle people, they fear Ka alone. For good reason, said Ka, but a man-thing in their hands mm, is no good. Now, where did they take the cub? Toward the sunset, I believe, said Baloo. Up, up. Look up, Baloo of the Saoni wolf pack. Baloo looked up to see where the voice came from, and there was Ran, the kite. What is it? said Baloo. I have seen Mowgli among the Bunderlog. He bade me tell you they have taken him beyond the river to the monkey city, to the cold lairs. I have told the bats to watch through the dark time. That is my message. Good hunting, all ye below. Full gorge and a deep sleep to ye, Ron, cried Bagheera. I will remember you in my next kill and put aside the head for you alone 
Oh, best of kites. It is nothing. The boy held the master word. I could have done no less. And Ran circled up again to his roost. He has not forgotten to use his tongue, said Baloo with a chuckle of pride. To think of one so young remembering the master word for the birds, too, while he was being pulled along the trees. They all knew where the cold lair was, but few of the jungle people ever went there because it was an old, deserted city, lost and buried in the jungle, and beasts seldom use a place that men have once used. It is half a night's journey at full speed, said Bagheera, and Baloo looked very serious. I will go as fast as I can, he said anxiously. We dare not wait for you. Follow, Baloo. We must hurry, Ka and I. In the cold lairs, the monkey people were very much pleased with themselves. Mowgli had never seen an Indian city before. And though this was almost a heap of ruins, it seemed some very wonderful and splendid king had built it long ago on a little hill. You could still trace the stone causeways. Trees had grown into and out of the walls. The battlements were tumbled down and decayed, and wild creepers hung out of the windows of the towers on the walls in bushy hanging clumps. A great roofless palace crowned the hill, and the very cobblestones in the courtyard, where the king's elephants used to live, had been thrust up and apart by grasses and young trees. The monkeys called the place their city, yet they never knew what the buildings were made for, nor how to use them. Mowgli, who had been trained under the law of the jungle, did not like or understand this kind of life. The monkeys dragged him into the cold lairs late in the afternoon. One of the monkeys made a speech and told his companions that Mowgli's capture marked a new thing in the history of the Bunderlog. For Mowgli was going to show them how to weave sticks and canes together as a protection against rain and cold. Mowgli picked up some creepers and began to work them in and out, and the monkeys tried to imitate, but in a very few minutes, they lost interest and began to pull on their friends' tails or jump up and down on all fours. Mowgli was sore and angry, as well as hungry, and he roamed through the empty city, giving the strangers hunting call from time to time but no one answered him, and Mowgli felt that he had reached a very bad place indeed and needed to get home. No sooner had he walked to the city wall than the monkeys pulled him back, shouting and taking him to a terrace above the red sandstone reservoirs that were half full of rainwater. There was a ruined summer house of white marble in the center of the terrace, built for queens dead a hundred years ago. The domed roof had half fallen in, but the walls were made of screens of marble tracery, beautiful milk-white fretwork. And as the moon came up behind the hill, it shone 
through the open work, casting shadows on the ground like black velvet embroidery. The monkeys gathered by hundreds and hundreds on the terrace to listen to their own speakers singing the praises of the Bunderlog. Mowgli nodded and blinked and said yes when they asked him a question, and his head spun with the noise. Certainly this is madness, he said to himself. Do they never sleep? Now there is a cloud coming to cover that moon. If it were only a big enough cloud, I might try to run away in the darkness. But I am tired. That same cloud was being watched by two good friends in the ruined ditch below the city wall. For Bagheera and Ka, knowing how dangerous the monkey people were in large numbers, did not wish to run any risks. I will go to the west wall, Ka whispered, and come down swiftly with the slope of the ground in my favor. They will throw themselves upon my back in their hundreds. Oh, would that Baloo were here, said Bagheera, but we must do what we can. When that cloud covers the moon, I shall go to the terrace. They hold some sort of council there over the boy. Good hunting, said Ka, and the big snake glided away. The cloud hid the moon, and as Mowgli wondered what would come next, he heard Bagheera's light feet on the terrace. The black panther had raced up the slope, almost without a sound, and was striking right and left among the monkeys who were seated round Mowgli in circles fifty and sixty deep. There was a howl of fright and rage, and then a monkey shouted, There is only one here. Kill him. Kill. A shuffling mass of monkeys, biting, scratching, tearing, and pulling, closed over Bagheera, while five or six laid hold of Mowgli, dragged him up the wall of the summer house, and pushed him through the hole of a broken dome. A man-trained boy would have been badly bruised, for the fall was a good fifteen feet. But Mowgli fell, as Baloo had taught him to fall, and stayed on his feet. Stay there, shouted the monkeys, till we have killed your friends, and later we will play with you, if the poison people leave you alive. We be of one blood, you and I, said Mowgli, quickly giving the snake's call. He could hear rustling and hissing in the rubbish of cobras all round him, and gave the call a second time to make sure. Yes, said half a dozen low voices. Stand still, little brother, for your feet may do us harm. Mowgli stood as quietly as he could, peering through the open work and listening to the furious din of the fight round the Black Panther, who for the first time since he was born was fighting for his life. Baloo must be at hand. Bagheera would not have come alone, Mowgli thought. And then he called aloud, To the water tank, Bagheera, 
roll and plunge, get to the water. Bagheera heard, and the cry that told him Mowgli was safe gave him new courage. He worked his way desperately, inch by inch, straight for the reservoirs, halting in silence. Then, from the ruined wall nearest the jungle, rose up the rumbling war shout of Baloo. The old bear had come as fast as he could. Bagheera, he shouted, I am here. Here I come, O most infamous Bunderlogue. He panted up the terrace, only to disappear in a wave of monkeys. But he threw himself squarely on his haunches. And, spreading out his forepaws, hugged as many as he could hold, and then began to hit with a regular bat, 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 like the flipping strokes of a paddle wheel. A crash and a splash told Mowgli that Bagheera had fought his way to the tank, where the monkeys could not follow. The panther lay gasping for breath, his head just out of the water, while the monkeys stood three deep on the steps dancing up and down with rage, ready to spring upon him from all sides if he came out to help Baloo. It was then that Bagheera lifted up his dripping chin and in despair gave the snake's call for protection. We be of one blood, ye and I. For he believed that Ka had turned tail at the last minute. Ah, but Ka had only just worked his way over the west walls. All that while the fight with Baloo went on, and the monkeys yelled in the tank round Bagheera, and Mung the bat flying to and fro carried the news of the great battle over the jungle, till even the wild elephant trumpeted. And far away, scattered bands of the monkey folk woke and came leaping along the tree roads to help their comrades in the cold lairs. And the noise of the fight roused all the day birds for miles around. Then Ka came straight, quickly, and anxious to kill. The fighting strength of a python is in the driving blow of his head, backed by all the strength and weight of his body. If you can imagine a hammer weighing nearly half a ton, driven by a cool, quiet mind, living in the handle of it, you can roughly imagine what Kaw was like when he fought. A python four or five feet long can knock a man down if he hits him fairly in the chest. And Kaw was 30 feet long, as you know. His first stroke was delivered into the heart of the crowd round Baloo. There was no need of a second strike. The monkeys scattered with cries of, Ka, it is Ka, run, run. Generations of monkeys had been scared into good behavior by the stories their elders told them of Ka, who was everything that the monkeys feared in the jungle. None of them knew the limits of his power, and so they ran, stammering with terror to the walls and the roofs of the houses, and Baloo drew a deep 
breath of relief. His fur was much thicker than Bagheera's, but he had suffered sorely in the fight. Then Ka opened his mouth for the first time and spoke one long, hissing word. And the faraway monkeys, hurrying to the defense of the cold lairs, stayed where they were, cowering. The monkeys on the walls and the empty houses stopped their cries. And in the stillness that fell upon the city, Mowgli heard Bagheera shaking his wet sides as he came up from the tank. Then the clamor broke out again. The monkeys leaped higher up the walls. They clung around the necks of the big stone idols and shrieked as they skipped along the battlements, while Mowgli, dancing in the summer house, peered through the screenwork and hooted owl fashion between his front teeth to show his derision and contempt. I can do no more, Bagheera gasped. Let us take the man-cub and go. They may attack again. They will not move till I order them. Stay you so, Ka hissed. And the city was silent once more. Baloo asked Bagheera, are you hurt? Wow, I am sore, said Baloo, gravely shaking one leg after the other. Ka, we owe you our lives, Bagheera and I. No matter. Where is the manling? Here, in a trap. I cannot climb out, cried Mowgli. The curve of the broken dome was above his head. Stand back, manling, and hide yourselves, O oh, poison people. I will break down the wall. Lifting up six feet of his body clear off the ground, Ka sent home half a dozen full-power smashing blows, nose first. The screen work broke and fell away in a cloud of dust and rubbish, and Mowgli leaped through the opening and flung himself between Baloo and Bagheera, an arm around each big neck. Are you hurt? said Baloo, hugging him softly. I'm sore, hungry, and bruised, but oh, they have handled you grievously, my brothers. You bleed. It is nothing if you're safe, oh, my pride of all little frogs, said Baloo. But here is Ka to whom we owe the battle, and you owe your life, said Bagheera. Thank him, according to our customs, Mowgli. Mowgli turned and saw the great python's head swaying a foot above his own. So this is the manling, said Ka. We be one blood, you and I, Mowgli answered. You saved my life tonight. My kill shall be yours if ever you are hungry, O Ka. All thanks, little brother, said Ka, his eyes twinkling. And what may so bold a hunter kill? I kill nothing. I'm too little, but I drive goats towards such as can use them. If ever you are in a trap, 
I may pay the debt which I owe to ye, to Bagheera, and to Baloo here. The python dropped his head, lightly, for a minute, on Mowgli's shoulder. A brave heart and a courteous tongue, said he. Now go quickly with your friends, for the moon sets, and what follows, it is not well that you should see. The moon was sinking behind the hills, and the lines of trembling monkeys, huddled together on the walls and battlements, looked like ragged, shaky fringes of things. Baloo went down to the tank for a drink, and Bagheera began to put his fur in order. As Ka glided out into the center of the terrace and brought his jaws together with a ringing snap that drew all the monkey's eyes upon him. The moon sets, he said. Is there yet light enough to see? From the walls came a moan, like the wind in the treetops. We see, O Ka. Now begins the dance of the hunger of Ka. Watch. Baloo and Bagheera stood still as stone, growling in their throats, their neck hair bristling, and Mowgli watched and wondered. Bunderlog, said the voice of Ka at last. Can you move without my order? Speak. Without your order, we cannot stir foot or hand, O Ka. Good, come all, one pace nearer to me. The lines of the monkeys swayed forward helplessly, and Baloo and Bagheera took one stiff step forward with them. Nearer, hissed Ka, and they all moved again. Mowgli laid his hands on Baloo and Bagheera to get them away, and the two great beasts started as though they had been waked from a dream. Keep your hand on my shoulder, Bagheera whispered, or I must go back to Ka. Ah, it is only old Ka making circles in the dust, said Mowgli. Let us go. And the three slipped off through a gap in the walls to the jungle. Oof said Baloo, when he stood under the still trees again. Oh, never more will I make an ally of Ka. And he shook himself all over. He knows more than we, said Bagheera, trembling. In a little time, had I stayed, I should have walked down his throat. But what was the meaning of it all, said Mowgli, who did not know anything of a python's powers of fascination. I saw no more than a big snake making foolish circles till the dark came, and his nose was all sore. Mowgli, said Bagheera angrily, his nose was sore on your account, as my ears and sides and paws, and Baloo's neck and shoulders are bitten on your account. We will not be able to hunt with pleasure for many days. You cost us heavily in time, which might have been spent in good hunting, in wounds, in hair. I am half plucked along my back, and last of all, in honor. For remember, Mowgli, I, who am the Black Panther, 
was forced to call upon Ka for protection, and Baloo and I were both made stupid as little birds by the hunger dance. All this, man-cub, came of your playing with the Bunderlog. True, it is true, said Mowgli sorrowfully. I am an evil man-cub, and my stomach is sad in me. What says the law of the jungle, Baloo? Baloo mumbled. Sorrow never stays punishment, but remember, Bagheera, he is very little. Bagheera gave him half a dozen love taps from a panther's point of view. They would have hardly waked one of his own cubs. And when it was all over, Mowgli sneezed and picked himself up without a word. Now, said Bagheera, jump on my back, little brother, and we will go home. One of the beauties of jungle law is that punishment settles all scores. There is no nagging afterward. Mowgli laid his head down on Bagheera's back and slept so deeply that he never waked when he was put down in the home cave. And as Mowgli falls into a deep and restful sleep, one of safety and relief, we will end part two of this wonderful jungle book here. Join us for the concluding part three next time. And now, drift off and sweet dreams. <laughs>